Hello, this is David Schroeder of Dino Eggs and the new Dino Eggs Rebirth. Congratulations on your 150th podcast. Watch out for Dino Mom! OUG Talks, yeah, OUG Talks. News in chat that really rocks. It's OUG Talks, yeah, OUG Talks. So before we start this week's show, I would just like to say because of our 150th podcast for our One Up Gaming podcast, we have got 150 Steam games to give away. So all you need to do is just go onto our iTunes page on OUG Talks and just put a nice comment and five stars. Leave your Twitter handle on the comment. So we're just going to pick a load of people at random. I mean, I think we only got about six or seven reviews on our old podcast and we've been going for like three years. So the chances are, if you put a comment and a review on, you will get a free game. So on with this week's OUG Talks. And we're here with 1UP Gaming. Not sure what episode it is. Ah, lose track of time. I know with our main podcast, we're recording our 150th podcast tonight. That oh, be, wow. That should be fun. Like 34 hours without any sleep. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but... Anyway, this is, I guess, if you just want to just take it away and just sort of say who you guys are and what do you do? Uh, yeah, sure. So we're Drinkbox Studios, and I'm Chris. I do designy stuff and talking about the game stuff. And beside me, I have Graham. Yeah, I'm Graham, and uh, I'm one of the founders of Drinkbox, and I was a producer on Severed. And I must say, you don't sound that American. We're not American. That's, that's probably why we don't sound American. We're based in Toronto, Canada. Although, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think there's much of a sounding difference between Canadians and Americans. We're like little America. Yeah, we're America's hat. Yeah, Yeah. the only thing I know about Canada is South Park takes the mick out of them. <laughs> is what, sorry? South Park, they take the mick, you know, the take the piss out of them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, South true. Park, yeah. That's true. That, yeah, but that, we like to laugh at ourselves, so we take it all in good humor. Sure. So, um, is that correct? Do Canadians have, like, wobble jaws? Yeah, well, our, the top of our heads are not connected to the bottom <laughs> of our heads. And our eyes are incredibly <laughs> tiny. And we like to fart. <laughs> <laughs> and we say a boot. <laughs> we say a boot a lot. And roof. 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 I have to say the... When I, I think it must have came out when I was about 15, the movie. And oh, yeah. When they were singing the, was it the Uncle Fucker song? Yeah. <laughs> I was just in stitches. It was so good. Oh, that movie was, um, the, the portrait of Canada in that movie is fantastic. Yeah. It's really funny. I think the soundtrack should have won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. And they were singing Blame Canada on the, yeah. on the stage at the Oscars. <laughs> right. That was really good. <laughs> Anyway, I think we should maybe move on to what we're here to talk about. So if you just want to tell us about your game, Severed. Uh, Sure. So Severed is coming out for the PS Vita um, this Tuesday, so that's April 26th worldwide. It is a first-person dungeon crawler that utilizes 
touch gestures for combat. So you're going to run into a lot of monsters while exploring this world, and every monster will have a unique set of attack patterns, and you need to figure out what those patterns are. And you'll often have to parry monsters at specific times, which will result in them being vulnerable, so you then counterattack. Um, the game also has uh, RPG elements to it, and it's based in a pretty neat, surre- surrealistic-looking uh, world. So the art style is very bright and uh, pretty unique, I'd say. I mean, I will say it's a bit of a departure from the last game. Is it Guacamole? Yes. Yeah, it's a complete departure from the last game. We basically were looking to do something new to to change our gears on the creative juices. And I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware, but in America, there's a lot of people that that love the so-called Metroidvania sort of games. But over in the little old UK, Nintendo wasn't very big at that time. You know, we all had Mega Drives and stuff. And, I mean, did you notice with any reviews that the UK was slightly lower than America or anything like that? No, actually, I think that it's, it looked to us like the UK and uh, uh, the Americas were the, the places where the game sold the best, but UK was, was up there as well. I think Germany was, mm-hmm. was up there pretty high as well. Um, uh, so it, I, didn't, I didn't actually realize that you guys never really got the Metroid games uh, back in the day. Uh, but it seemed to be pretty well, Guacamelee seemed to be pretty well received over in the UK. When I was doing some research ages ago about retro stuff, I remember reading the Sega Master System sold 12 million consoles in Europe and the Nintendo NES only sold 4 million. Oh, wow. You know, whereas I think in America, I think the NES had 95% sort of domination. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd never actually thought about that before. It's a really, it's an interesting idea or, you know, kind of historical little factoid. Because I, I know when the SNES sort of came out, that's when Nintendo became quite big in in the UK. Okay. But, and I guess Metroidvania's game started to become popular around that time too, I guess, with Super Super Metroid. And then I, on the PlayStation, there was the uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah. And those were like the two really big ones that kind of picked the genre up. And uh, And since then, there have been a few good ones, but those are still like two really big notable, notable ones. Uh from the early days. Nintendo themselves, I mean, would you consider yourselves inspired by Nintendo? You know, like the older sort of game design? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, uh, in Guacamelee, we do some throwbacks to quite a few uh, original Nintendo, uh, uh, just little gameplay segments or snippets. There's like a sequence where we're kind of making fun of the Bowser, the way that you kill Bowser. Uh, in the original Nintendo Super Mario games, and uh, yeah, that, we definitely draw inspiration from those games because those are the games that you know got us to love games and get into games in the first place. So uh, they always fo- hold like a very fond place in our hearts. So with Severed, then, what was the inspiration for its art style and the world that you play? Uh, well, with regards to the art style, that really is. Dictated by our, our team, our, we only have a few artists. We're a small team, and so they have a style that they just tend to use. Right, it's sort of their natural style, and I think the the art that we have for all our games is really based on that. It's dictated by that. Um, as far as the worlds, 
uh, it was proposed uh, during a game jam, I guess. Uh, not that I guess it was. Uh, so we had a game jam a few years ago internally, and Severed was one of the ideas that was proposed. And yeah, we kind of just went with it. So I guess, why make it only for the Vita? Well, uh, we've been working with Sony uh, since the day we started the studio. All, all of our games have launched on Sony platforms first, and uh, and we have a really good working relationship with them. Um, and we also knew that the game was going to be uh, it's going to it was going to require uh, touch based combat, and also the way that you walk around in the world is uh, is uh, we, we could have done it with touch, but it feels more natural to be using like the thumbsticks on the on the controller. To, to do that. So the Vita is kind of a, a, a cross between those two. Uh, it has a touchscreen, it has thumbsticks, so it felt really natural to put it on the Vita. And was it actually hard to actually get the engine optimized to run on the Vita? No, actually, uh, the first time that we got, the, uh, got a game running on the Vita was uh, Mutant Blob's Attack, which was a launch title for the Vita. And uh, well, we had made a, our first game was called About a Blob and it was on PS3. And uh, the first step that we did to try and get our engine running on the, the Vita was just to port About a Blob over to the Vita. And it only took uh, our tech lead, it took him like less than a week to get the engine running on the Vita. And, uh, and then a couple more weeks to optimize everything. But it wasn't really difficult to bring a game from PlayStation 3 to the Vita. And our engine has just been running on there ever since. So, I mean, the only thing that, ever has to be taken into account now for us is just uh, because the Vita has limited performance. It obviously doesn't perform as well as like the PlayStation 4. So uh, we just have to be careful about not going too crazy with features in the game that will push the Vita too hard. Um, But so far, that's never been a problem for us. Our games are simple enough and they're not like fully 3D. So we never really have to worry too much about performance. Do you actually think the game will eventually come over to like maybe like the Android store, the iOS and maybe home consoles? I mean, for us at the moment, we kind of have to go baby steps. So for us, the full focus is just getting the game working on the PS Vita. And, you know, it's obviously working because we're going to release. Uh, so I think it's just focusing on that platform. Um, you know, it really comes down to just how the game is received, right? It has to make sense to bring it to other platforms if we do down the road. So I think it's a... Uh, to answer that question, it's kind of hard at this point. I think we just have to wait and see... Uh, you know, performance-wise with regards to sales and see if that's something that makes sense, right? Why did you actually want to make a touch-controlled game? Was it to prove that you could actually make a good one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. <laughs> Uh, we did. We really wanted to do something completely different. And when the idea, like Chris was saying, when we when we tried uh, with the game jam, uh, we weren't using a touch at that time. We were using a mouse on a PC during the game jam. Um, but we could tell naturally it's going to fit uh, using a touch screen. Uh, yeah, and just to add on, I mean, as as we started the project and we started looking at other games that were trying to do something similar, we were pretty surprised at the lack of games. Touch games specifically, especially on the iOS market and the Android market, that don't use touch, don't use gesture on the screen to actually be part of the fighting mechanics or just the gameplay mechanics. Usually, touch games or you're just touching the screen, right? You're just touching objects. And for what Severed's doing is that it actually matters where you swipe on the screen. It matters where you swipe to, to get a proper parry. Or it matters where you swipe to enable yourself to get to that vulnerable spot on an enemy. And 
I think we were really surprised that people haven't explored that space and explored that mechanic. So for us, that was an attractive idea to or attractive challenge to take on. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but normally when I've like downloaded a mobile game, it's something that I play with for five minutes and I just delete it. And but I mean, lately, I mean, I don't know if you guys have played it or not, but Clash Royale. Haven't played it, but some people around the office are playing it. Oh my god, I'm so addicted to it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I mean, look, those guys. I mean, that team knows what they're doing, right? I mean, with uh, Clash of Clans, it's the same group, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they know the secret recipe, but they also have 300 people, and probably 100 of them are looking at analytics, and they're probably all have PhDs in psychology and know exactly how to bring people in. You're being manipulated, David. That's what we're saying. <laughs> I've never, I've never played Clash of Clans. <laughs> I play Clash. I used to play Clash of Clans, so at least I'm I'm a recovering Clash of Clans. Error. I think these people they 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 tend to like look into uh, what makes gambling um, uh, appealing to some people, and they try and hook into those same kind of things in the like the human DNA. Like there's something about certain certain things that they do in those games that really keep you coming back. Like they really get you addicted and. Yeah. It's it's a mystery to me, but it's amazing to okay. see. And now we're tangent in here, but I would also <laughs> say that they also their teams are so big that they can make the the UI so the most perfect UI, right? It's yeah. it's so refined. It's, it's so smooth. It's so smooth that everything is so polished to a degree that no one else can because no one else is a team like that. And I and so I give them credit in that regards. Yeah, I think it's they've just got the whole layout of the screen perfect. Nothing's where it shouldn't be. Yeah. Anyway, but people, but people shouldn't be playing that. They should be buying Severed on April twenty sixth. <laughs> Going back, then um, the game it looks to be a bit more serious. Will it be as much like of the pop internet reference as Guacamelead? Uh No, no. It's so yeah. We we really tried to do something completely different, just so that we could, you know, stretch different creative muscles and. Uh, uh, there's no there's no memes or pop references at all. Uh, there's uh, there's no silly jokes. Uh, there are some weird characters that are humorous, but it's it's, a, it's not the same kind of uh, toilet humor that Guacamelee had a bit of. Yeah, but that just has me thinking though. We could make a DLC pack yeah. that integrates itself into the game <laughs> and adds memes and well, just memes, let's say, throughout the game. That that might be an interesting DLC pack. Yeah, because that's what people want, right? Yeah, people want more memes, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, David, do we lose you? Um, I was just sort of. It sounds like you were just people walking into the office a bit. Oh yeah, sorry, it's people outside of the room. That's all right. You're loud. So, the only people I ever hear talking about the Vita is actually Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. <laughs> Now, it must be great to have such a massive show actually talk about your game for the last two or three weeks. Mm. I mean, do you think they'll help sales? Oh, I think so, yeah. I think uh, those guys are really great, and they're, they're doing a lot for the, they're doing a lot for the, the PlayStation uh, brand, and I guess also, especially the Vita. But uh, there's a few places, like, there's a, I, I feel like there, there are some really strong Vita supporters out there, and those guys are really, they're kind of leading the charge. Um, but, 
even on Reddit, you see a lot of people that are really vocal about their support for the Vita. People, people don't want to let the Vita die. I'm one of those people, actually, because um, I think it's a fantastic platform, and it's a shame that it didn't pick up more than it did. Uh, but the, so the people who have Vitas and love them, they really are champions for the Vita still. And uh, I, I think Greg and Colin are kind of at the front of that charge. Now, I mean, when the Vita came out a few years ago, I actually I wanted it for two games. Now, I'm going to be very English here. There was Football, football Manager. <laughs> and then I, I worked out that it was the exact same game that they released on the iOS. Okay. And it was either 30 quid for the Vita or 6.99 on the iOS. And it was like, yeah, I'll just get the iOS version. Yeah, or you could get the Vita version and support the Vita. <laughs> and I mean, the other game was FIFA. And for some reason, I think the sticks, they were just in the wrong position for my hands and it gave me a hand cramp. Oh, no. So no, I just not... decided, yeah, I'm, I, I don't need one. <laughs> I don't need the hand cramps. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on the types of games you like to play as well, I think, because uh, the Vita has a lot of games. Uh, some people call it like the indie plat- the indie portable device because there's a lot of indie games that are brought over to it. And I know those are the games that I really like to play. So uh, like Axiom Verge was just released last week on the Vita. So they're still getting really great games. Um, and if, if they're the types of games you like to play, then it makes sense for you to, to want to have a Vita. But if they're not, uh, I can see the other side as well. I mean, like, I don't know what you guys think, but I mean, I remember back in the, the late 80s, they had the Nintendo seal of quality. Do you think that Sony and Microsoft should do something like that? Because just last week or the week before, there was a game that came out on the PSN, like, the Micro Mall or something? I have no idea. It's Basically, I think it was a, a failed mobile game that they just quickly cobbled together and put it on the PlayStation Store, and it's one of the worst games I've ever seen. Okay, that's that's pretty weird. I've never I've never heard that before. But uh, I do think that that uh, working with Sony for for you know the last eight years, uh, they are they do pretty heavily curate the games that are invited to be on the platform. And uh, and then there's like also technical certification requirements that you have to pass. Uh, before they'll allow you to launch your game, so there's like there's a definitely quality control there because they like they make sure your game doesn't crash. They make sure that your game follows this list of uh, several hundred rules, uh, so just to give the end users a good experience. And that's not something that Apple does or Steam does. Uh, so it does it does seem like Sony and Microsoft have more heavy curation and more quality control than the other platforms. So. I'm not sure about this specific example that you just mentioned, though. The game itself, I believe it's $15. I don't work in dollars. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why did you settle on 15 Why didn't you do what a lot of people are doing now and try to go for 20 or a little bit more? Well, we're not, we're not greedy. <laughs> uh, funny. I think we, we looked at the game. Uh, it's about the same length as Guacamelee. Uh, it felt a little bit uh, wrong to charge more than Guacamelee because of that. So we decided to just uh, to go with the same price as Guacamelee. Right. So is there anything else that you'd like to mention about the game that we haven't covered? Uh, well, we can talk a little bit more about like how the game works because um, there are some interesting things in there that are you wouldn't find in other games. Um, so uh, first to talk a little bit more about the game's combat. Um, 
in the game you play uh, this young woman who uh, she wakes up in the desert and she's missing an arm and uh, she, her main quest is to, to, to go off and try and find out what happened. Uh, she's looking for her missing family members and uh, and throughout. So as Chris mentioned, throughout the game, you're meeting you're meeting these monsters and you're using the touch screen to fight them. Uh, so basically, your finger is kind of like your sword. And uh, and the enemies, there's a lot of different enemy types, and every time you present it with a new enemy, you have to experiment and try and figure out what is this enemy's weaknesses, how do I defend against this enemy. Um, and then quickly, early on in the game, we start to drop multiple enemies around you. So if you're familiar with touch-based sword games like Infinity Blade, um, Infinity Blade is kind of like similar, uh, it has a similar feeling uh, using a touchscreen for sword, but... In, in, in Severed, uh, you're not on rails like you are in Infinity Blade. You have, it's like an open world that you can go around and explore anywhere. And also, we draw, during combat, we drop in multiple enemies around you. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like a Bruce Lee-style fight where like enemies are coming in one at a time and you have to defend them uh, in certain orders. At the bottom of the screen, you can see all the enemies that are around you. And you can see which one is going to attack next, which one is the most immediate threat. So you can spin your attention to one of them, deal with him, then spin back to another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of strategy in like the order that you want to take enemies out because some enemies are more difficult to take out than others. Um, and then uh, if you fight well, at the end of each battle, you have an opportunity to cut off the, the limbs of your enemies and you collect those limbs and they're kind of used as currency to upgrade yourself. Um, and then... Uh, it's kind of similar back to the Metroid Metroidvania question you were asking earlier, um, uh, and also kind of in the vein of old games like Mega Man. When you reach the bosses in Severed, they usually have special abilities that they use against you during the fight. And when you kill them and cut them up, they leave behind a carcass that you put on yourself. It's like a piece of equipment, and you gain the power that that enemy was using against you. So similar to how, how Mega Man, when, every time you beat a boss, you get a new power. In Severed, it's the same kind of thing. But... Uh, also, the powers in Severed that you get from the bosses, they open up to new parts of the world for you to explore. So there's also this Metroidvania aspect where you're getting new powers that open up new parts of the world as you're exploring through the game. Um, and then on the exploration side, it is a first-person dungeon crawler, but we tried to push things like uh, much farther than we've seen other games push them. Like There's a lot of environmental secrets that you're using to solve puzzles and, uh, and, fall, and find upgrades for yourself and... Uh, I know that side of the game is also pretty interesting, I think. So that's kind of severed in a nutshell. I mean, I will just say thank you guys for coming on. It's been absolute pleasure. Yeah. And a, I mean, if you, it's been good. If you just want to tell the listeners how they can get hold of the game. Uh, yeah, so check uh, the Sony PlayStation Store on Tuesday, April 26th uh, on your PlayStation Vita, and you'll be able to download the game then. And if you want to give any links to any of your social media so that they can, like, fans can contact you or the team. Yes, uh, everyone should follow us on Twitter, uh, which is at Drinkbox Studios. And if you want to check out more about the game, you can go to our website, which is severedgame.com. Or you can always go to our main website for the company, which is drinkboxstudios.com. And we have a blog there, and we just talk about uh, the ongoings of the studio and give little updates. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, David. David. Hey, guys. Justin here. I just wanted to say that I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you a lot. Yes, you in particular, in that way. And I wanted to say, I think you're great. I've always said that about you. And I was wondering, if you think we're great, if you could give us a quick rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It would really, really help us out in that, you know, podcasty sort of way. And if you're feeling particularly festive, perhaps even a little saucy, 
maybe stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com O-U-G and see if you can't slip a few bucks our way. After all, every little penny or whatever space money they use in Europe helps out the show. Thanks for listening. OUG Gaming will always be free, but with your support, we can always move forward and always be better.